Wretched Radio begins in three, two, one. If there's one common thread, it might be that men perceive church as too feminine. We have to be aggressive in the world when it's appropriate. We are warriors. One, two, three. Warriors! You are a real man when you commit to study God's word and you commit to being conformed and transformed into the image of Jesus Christ. That's the biblical perspective on being a man. It's time for Wretched Radio with Todd Friel. Quenching and testing. This is Wretched Radio. Two stories that should motivate us to not want to quench, but to be obedient and test. Which two events am I speaking about? About which two events am I speaking? If we're going to be grammar Nazis, which we should be. Number one event would be in Kentucky, Wilmore, Kentucky specifically. It is a Wesleyan holiness school called Asbury University, claiming revival is breaking out in the chapel. Kids are spending hours worshiping and worshiping, claiming time feels suspended. I thought I was only there for a couple of minutes. It turns out I was there for four hours. And Revival is the headline on a lot of social media sites claiming the spirit is falling. What do we do with this event? And the answer is we don't quench it, but we do test it. From whence do I get that direction? From Paul writing to the Thessalonians, 1 Thessalonians 5, don't extinguish the spirit. For those of us who have seen what is perhaps the most abused theology in all of, well, I'll call it evangelical Christendom just to be, nah, just call it Christendom, is the focus, the intense focus on the Holy Spirit. We see movements that are spirit-driven, spirit-led, which we should be, but we shouldn't be spirit-focused. Why? Because the spirit doesn't focus on the spirit. The Spirit focuses on the second person of the Trinity. So anytime we see a church, a movement, a TV program, a radio show that is focusing on the Spirit, I think out of the gate there's a misstep taking place because the Spirit doesn't even focus on himself. His role is to bring glory to God through the redemptive work of his son. So the Holy Spirit shines the spotlight on Jesus Christ. And so as we see so many movements that talk about the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit, we should have a healthy amount of skepticism. Having said that, we don't want to quench his work, do we? That's what Paul warns. Be careful. There are going to be some some things that happen that you want to make sure you're not quenching in some way, shape, or form, that you're, you're not putting it out, that you're not just, nah, zip it, sit down, be quiet. Now, what exactly was happening? What was Paul talking about? Was he talking about a revival outbreak like this? I don't think so. And I get that from the text. Do not extinguish the spirit do not treat prophecies with contempt. Ah, now we're getting somewhere. It appears that Paul was focusing on the people who said, I think this is how the Bible applies to this situation, because I think that is what the New Testament gift of prophecy is. 
It is not a future telling. It's the ability to immediately see something, apply God's word to the situation and say, this is how I think we should ponder this and think through this biblically. And Paul says, don't quench that. If somebody's rightly applying the word, then, then we should rejoice in that. Because it is Holy Spirit informed, because that is another work of the Holy Spirit. It is to illuminate us. Now, it isn't mystical. It isn't this constant, I don't need to study the Bible. I just need to be filled with the Spirit, and I'll say everything right about the Bible. No, we are to study to show ourselves approved, a workman, somebody who rightly cuts the word of truth. The Bible is the filter that somebody runs events through and says, this is, this is me identifying what's going on here. Don't quench that because the Holy Spirit is working in that person, but test it. That's what Paul then goes on to say. Don't quench the Holy Spirit. Do not treat prophecies with contempt, but test all things and hold fast to what is good. Test all things things, including the supposed revival that's taking place at Asbury University. And I think we can test it on two levels. Level number one is what is actually going on there? What is happening at this chapel service, which is now supposedly going pretty much 24-7? Hey, isn't that what IHOP does? That comment aside, it's going on perpetually, and it seems that the focus is on worship. A lot of worship going on. I do see some people standing up and giving testimonies of a sort, both men and women. I did see one woman preaching on Jacob's ladder. But it does appear that it's all about where everybody's talking about the worship, that it's there's just constant worship that's taking place. Is that revival? Well, we do have an instance of revival. Actually, a couple of biggies in the Bible. You can go back to the Old Testament if you haven't unhitched it yet, and you can see the greatest revival in human history, where Nineveh, of all places, Jonah knew that God would save people. He talked about being racist. Jonah, the prophet, he didn't want those wicked Ninevites to get saved because he knew that God was gracious and compassionate. If I go there, he's actually going to show kindness to those people, and I don't want them to receive God's goodness. But he went, after a little excursion in the belly of a big fish, and he preached repentance, and the people responded. They got saved. Scoot forward to Acts chapter 2, we see another revival breaking out. As people are being added to the church, what happened on Pentecost? The Spirit fell. But what accompanied the falling of the Spirit? Was it worship or was it preaching? Now, I wouldn't say, of course, that a revival can't have worship. It probably should. If indeed the Holy Spirit is moving mightily in a place, there should be worship, but that falling of the spirit, if you will, I think biblically is accompanied by preaching, teaching, lifting up Jesus Christ, because that's what the spirit is endeavoring to do, focus on Jesus Christ. And that is why everywhere that Paul went, he preached the foolishness of the cross. People got saved. And so I think revival 
if it's going to happen someplace, then it's it's there's going to be a lot of preaching going on now from a distance because believe me, I haven't watched all of the hours that are posted on the YouTube machine. There's a lot of worship going on. What are the contents of of the of this movement inside of this chapel? Well, Shane Claiborne doesn't seem to have a problem with it, thinks it's pretty groovy. Who's Shane Claiborne? Uh, He's about as emergent-y and liberal as you could possibly get. Todd Bentley tweeting, I'm on my way to Asbury University to worship at the Revival. That's not definitive, but that sure is telling. And I would also, I'd also suggest this. I know you can go back and you can take a look at Jonathan Edwards, and the great awakenings that took place. I, I have to confess, some the, the writings of Edwards on what a revival looks like, I've always been a little, dare I say, skeptical about some of what he says are the markings of genuine revival. Uh, nevertheless, when we look inside of what's going on in Asbury, we, we don't have anybody uh, liberal saying, that's a bad thing. I do see Todd Bentley, who is a kook of the first order, embracing it. Furthermore, I would ask the question, not too far from with this university in Kentucky, is Southern Baptist Theological Seminary. They preach the word there. Why doesn't the Holy Spirit drop on that place? Why doesn't the Holy Spirit drop on your church where the word is being proclaimed? We test what is going on at Asbury by looking inside of what is happening at Asbury. Second test would be, what is the fruit of this movement? And only time can reveal that, can it? Will there be fruit in keeping with repentance? By the way, you should know at Asbury, they've got a history of these revivals starting in 1908. If you go to the YouTube machine, you will see that 1970 was a big year because they regularly have these outbreaks of revival. Why this one place? Hmm. I don't know. I guess we'll have to test all things. So what do we do with this Asbury revival? Well, I think we hope that something good is going on there, but only time is going to reveal what indeed happened there. But it does raise a question, doesn't it? If you've seen any sort of social media headlines on the subject of revival breaking out, How did your heart respond to this? I think we should be hopeful, shouldn't we? But we should test all things. We don't want to quench the spirit. We want to test all things. But I want to make sure that I'm not looking for some sort of sign that is outside of the Bible to affirm my belief in the Bible. And I suspect that could be happening a lot. That people who latch onto these things, a leg lengthening, a revival service that goes on for days. See, see, the spirit is actually moving. While I certainly hope that he is, and I know that he does, I don't need a revival to affirm what the Bible already tells me. Don't quench, but test. This is Wretched Radio. Just because Roe v. Wade is overturned, that does not mean the battle for life is over. Would you please consider supporting 
Preborn Ministries, providing ultrasounds that genuinely save lives. That ultrasound changed everything for me. It really did. That made it all worthwhile to know that I was going to have a little blessing. And when she got here, it was just, oh my gosh. <laughs> Another woman who chooses life because she saw an ultrasound. Her life, and obviously her baby's life, changed. When I heard her heartbeat, I decided to keep her. And now my daughter's about to be three. I don't know where my life would be without her. The war for life continues to rage. Would you please engage in the battle and support preborn centers at preborn.org slash wretched preborn.org slash wretched. Thank you for joining us at Wretched Radio today. Did you know there is one simple, convenient location where we've compiled all things wretched? I'm talking about our full daily 60-minute radio programs, our full daily 30-minute TV episodes, information about our other productions like Road Trip to Truth and Transformed, and a store that contains a ton of amazing resources like Jesus Unmasked, the Drive-By series. It can all be found at wretched.org. And hey, while you're there, I would urge you to visit our donate page. There you'll find information on a lot of the questions you might have on becoming a Wretched Gospel Partner. Now, if you're already a Wretched Gospel Partner, you know we humbly thank you for your efforts in helping us reach millions with the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. And if you're not already a Wretched Gospel Partner, talk to your spouse and then prayerfully consider partnering with us. Wretched.org slash donate. Wretched. Amazing grace. Amazing gospel. How's inflation been treating you if costs for health insurance are skyrocketing in your home? Would you please visit MediShare.com slash wretched. Affordable biblical health sharing. Christians paying for other Christians' medical bills, which means you don't have to worry where the money is going for bad stuff. Second of all, you can save on average $500 per month. And finally, MediShare, it's the gold standard for healthcare sharing for more than 25 years. It works, and the members, including myself and Mrs. Friel, love it, which is why their customer satisfaction rate is double traditional health insurance. If inflation has got you down, call up the people at MediShare, 844-34-BIBLE or MediShare.com slash wretched. Important dates in Christian history. 1206. Francis of Assisi renounces wealth and goes on to lead a band of poor friars preaching the simple life. The 13th century saw the rise of a number of monastic orders dedicated to simple living and social engagement. This is Wretched Radio with Todd Friel. Bad host. Bad host. This is Wretched Radio. Friel, we're finally on the same page. Promised. Two stories that we need to not quench, but test. The first being in Kentucky, revival breaking out again, as it appears to do every several years at Asbury University, which is a Wesleyan holiness denominational church. People claiming the spirit is falling. The kids are worshiping like nobody's business. And God is even sending signs. We had our um, chapel service starting at 10 a.m. Wednesday morning, and worship has not stopped since then. 
Not so much on the preaching, but lots of worshiping is going on. As we study the Bible, we discover that when revival happens, worship is not at the center of it. It will be a fruit of it. And that's what we see all throughout the epistles. Paul, even thinking about Jesus, what he has done for us, breaks out in a doxology unto him. He can't help himself. He's, he's When you think about Jesus, you've, you've got to when you're thinking about Jesus. So how does that thinking happen? Well, at a revival that we see in the Bible in both Nineveh and in Jerusalem, preaching is at the center of it. Christianity is a cognitive faith. God preaches his Holy Spirit-inspired word through the mouth of a sinful preacher. And what is the result? Knowledge gets into our brain, which then affects our hearts. So biblically, when we see revival, we see the focus on preaching. It's it's been one of the most incredible things I've ever seen God do. He is in our midst. He is moving. And yesterday, it was super windy outside, and there was a cloud over the horizon that sat above our town. And people that have come in from the University of Kentucky, from Northern Kentucky, all around the world, the world knows what God's doing here. Because a cloud appeared to sit still. Do they stand still? They didn't move right above the town where the revival was taking place. We must test what we are seeing. And quite honestly, one of the things that I think we should test the most is our hearts. Because I want to be careful. Because I'm a skeptical kind of guy in this day and age when we see so much wonkiness going on, so much abuse of the third person of the Trinity, that when I hear a whole lot of spirit-led revival, spirit, 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 I tend to get skeptical, skeptical, skeptical. And I want to watch my heart on that. Having said that, if you're the type who embraces something that appears to be a move of God because it affirms what you believe. Well, I think you should test your own heart in that. Is the Bible sufficient or isn't it? Do I believe that the Holy Spirit moves because of what's happening in Asbury University, or do I believe the Spirit moves because the Bible says the Spirit moves? That's the real test. But that was only one test that we were supposed to take. Test number two, if you watch the Super Bowl, you saw two ads costing $20 million. million. Who am I to judge how a group of Christians spend their money? Not me, but I can judge the contents of those ads. This is a part of the He Gets Us campaign. That Jesus, he understands you because he's like Tom Petty. Live like a refugee. I think that's what that song was about. Jesus commercials that make Jesus sympathetic to immigrants coming across the border. What's that commercial? He he was a refugee too. Well, no, actually, he wasn't in our current understanding of it. Nevertheless, what are these commercials about? The one that I caught during the Super Bowl, because I have to admit, I watched the second half and For the first time in, like, forever, I wasn't disappointed. That was a good game, second half anyway. It was. Unless, of course, you're from Philadelphia, and it was a horrible, (laughs) terrible game. But it it almost felt almost like a college football game. Lots of scoring. Kind of, that's why I'm sorry, but the the kick in the ball, 
thing, the soccer business. The game lasts six hours. What was the score? One to nothing. It was a tie at zero. What was the point of that? Somebody score a goal. It was a good game. And in the second half, one of the Jesus He Gets Us ads was a bunch of images, black and white photos of people who looked really mad. And it was white being mad at black, black being mad at white. It was somewhat ethnically balanced. So what was this commercial about? At the end, the tagline was, Jesus loves those you hate. He gets us.org or whatever the website is. What do I do with that ad? And the answer is, well, um, not sure, frankly. And that, if nothing else, that's the test. Shouldn't an ad about Jesus be about, I don't know, Jesus with clarity? That the real Jesus is being proclaimed? These ads, at best, are confusing. You've got a bunch of people, conservative biblicists going, are they saying that they're for open borders? That that just shouldn't be the case. (laughs) It should be pretty clear what they're trying to say about the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. We rightly divide the word. We are not the people of confusion. We aren't the people of confusion. I want to say confiscating, but I'm just dying for some alliteration here. We don't shield the message. Paul didn't come being coy. Hey, there's my alliteration. He came proclaiming Christ and him crucified clearly. What is the message of he gets us? I don't know, but it sure smells progressive and liberal. There was an article talking about this movement in Slate. The backstory of that Jesus ad at the Super Bowl. They're claiming that they spent $20 million. The list of donors includes the National Association of Evangelicals and Christianity Today and the Green family of Hobby Lobby fame. That's telling. What do we know about those people? Well, I've never thought of Hobby Lobby as a place of great discernment. I know they've got the Bible Museum going in Washington, but they've got all kinds of stuff there that implies that the Roman Catholic Church is a member of Christian small old orthodoxy. What do I do with Christianity Today and the NAE being involved? Well, if you read Christianity Today, um, they're evangelical bending way left. Same thing with the National Association of Evangelicals. One spokesperson of the campaign told Ad Age, quote, the He Gets Us Super Bowl spots will explore how the teachings and example of Jesus demonstrate that radical love, generosity, and kindness have the power to change the world. That's not the message of Jesus. Sorry, he does change the world. There's no question about it. But he saves souls, one soul at a time. That's the message. So when I see the He Gets Us campaign I'm sorry, I don't want to quench the spirit, but I do want to test what they're advertising. And when I scratch my head and say, I'm not sure what they're up to, I think at best we should be highly skeptical of what the agenda is. If they would make it clear what they're up to, why all of the liberal sort of bent to their commercials? 
I want to not quench the spirit, but I want to test all things. I don't want to be like the disciples. You say, what do the disciples have to do with this? Mark chapter 9, we see a story of sectarianism. They came to Capernaum, and when he was in the house, he began to question them. What were you discussing on the way? They kept silent. They had discussed with one another which of them was the greatest. So they get into a little theological squabble about who's the greatest. 38. John said to him, Teacher, we saw someone casting out demons in your name, and we tried to prevent him because he was not following us. This is a classic text on sectarianism. Jesus said, Don't hinder him, for there's no one who will perform a miracle in my name and be able to soon afterwards speak evil of me. For the one who is not against us is for us. You say, therefore, we should affirm just about everything. No, it's not what was going on. They were actually followers of Jesus. They just weren't a part of that club. And I want to be careful that I'm not like the disciples. If somebody is teaching Jesus rightly, then we rejoice in that. Is he gets us doing that? Is that what's happening in Asbury? I, I, I don't know. But we do see another instance where Paul made it clear that we should celebrate when somebody is preaching rightly. Now, I want you to know, brothers and sisters, my circumstances have turned out for the greater progress of the gospel so that my imprisonment in the cause of Christ has become well known and that most of the brothers and sisters trusting in the Lord because of my imprisonment have far more courage to speak the word without fear. To be sure, some are preaching Christ from envy and strife, but also some from goodwill. The latter do it out of love, knowing that I am anointed. The former proclaim Christ out of selfish ambition rather than from pure motives. What then? Whether in pretense or in truth, Christ is proclaimed. In this I rejoice. I, I, in other words, you can't judge the heart of the individual, but if they're proclaiming Christ rightly, that is the test, then we rejoice. If they're not, we don't. This is Wretched Radio. This is Wretched Radio, and I'm Jimmy Hicks. Over 100 students banded together to conduct a walkout last week to protest a district-wide school policy that has now banned urinals over gender identity concerns. It happened at Milford High School in New Hampshire, where the school board voted in favor of closing off urinals and limiting the number of people in a restroom to the number of stalls. According to the news outlet that originally reported on this story, male students, quote, felt particularly targeted by the policy. Yeah, I wonder why. I mean, could you imagine 10, 15, 20 years ago that we would actually be talking about urinals being taped up by garbage bags in men's bathrooms because girls who are pretending to be boys can't actually use them? I mean, what are we doing? Well, pretty soon, doctor-assisted suicide is going to be just as legal as constitutional carry for self-defense. New York and six other states are weighing whether to pass their own doctor-assisted suicide laws in the next few months. Meanwhile, some of the 10 states that already allow medical aid in dying are loosening their rules by cutting wait times, letting nurses join doctors in prescribing lethal drugs, and by letting out-of-staters visit to end their lives. You know, one thing is consistent with this country. We continually devalue human life. 
Listen to this Nashville teacher who is pretty upset that the state just passed a law that requires teachers and librarians to register the books in their classroom so parents can actually see the books and make sure their kids aren't being exposed to pornographic material. She doesn't like that. I am more than competent to make decisions for my students in my classroom. And I kind of just feel like I'm at the point where I just, I don't care. I'm, I'm not doing it. I'm not participating. I think that it is stupid. So I'm not going to dispute the fact that her classroom is her classroom, but the children in her classroom are not hers. A pastor in northern India remains in jail after more than three months despite winning bail because Hindu extremists have filed new false charges against him. The pastor won bail orders in mid-January, but new cases were filed against him to extend his arrest term. Initially, he was arrested in April of last year and released on bail after just three days, but then was rearrested in October. In the original complaint that led to the pastor's arrest, more than 47 identified Christians were also in that complaint. And as we tell you so frequently here at Wretched, please make sure you continue praying for all of our persecuted brothers and sisters abroad. More Wretched Radio is straight ahead. I'm Jimmy Hicks. Books of the Bible The book of Daniel is about one man who submits to God above all else and God's faithfulness to his people in all circumstances. Daniel's prophetic visions teach us that God raises up and tears down kingdoms. All earthly kingdoms will pass away but God will establish an everlasting kingdom. This is Wretched Radio with Todd Friel. Yes, it's your party. You can cry if you want to, but not if it's a pity party. This is Wretched Radio. Have you heard the news? Transform Season 2. It is available in the Wretched Store at Wretched.org. It's biblical counseling, live and in action. Dr. Greg Gifford He counsels individuals. Dale Johnson, the president of the ACBC, he chalk talks us, gives us a little commentary about what's happening and what Dr. Gifford is doing in the counseling session that you actually get to witness. It's outstanding. It has a study guide, which is to bomb diggity. It's available at wretched.org. And if you like D, tend to have a pity party regularly. Perhaps Transform Season 2 will be just what the doctor ordered. If you were in debt to a shifty credit shark for $50,000, there's a good chance that you will fear many things. Answering your phone, checking your mail. But what if you had a million dollars in the bank? You wouldn't fear any of those things. So let me ask you, what is it that you fear? If our parable of the credit shark has any truth in it, then the reason you fear what you fear is because you don't realize you have more than a million dollars in the bank. You have God, and He's on your side. Dr. Gifford is about to reveal to Dee that her view of God is directly impacting her emotions, her fear, and her proclivity towards self-pity. D, I want to start by talking about how we view God and the way that that affects our life. So if you don't mind, would you grab your Bible? Let's go over to Colossians 1. So if you don't mind, would you start in verse 15? He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For by him all things were created 
both in the heavens and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities. All things have been created through Him and for Him. He is before all things, and in Him all things hold together. So Jesus created all things. God the Father created all things. And we're also going to see in verse 17 that in him all things hold together, like you read. So the Colossians are struggling with an understanding of Jesus being big, Jesus being powerful, Jesus being God. And Paul is critiquing their view and saying, hey, you have a low view of who Jesus is, of who God is. This is who Jesus is. Jesus is God. He is creator. He is sustainer. He is the one that's holding everything together right now. That is who Jesus is. Paul goes on to say that this Jesus is not only God, is not only creator, is not only sustainer, but Jesus is actually the head of the church. I believe that, you know, I've always believed it. It's just hard to take it all in and remember it and act on it when things go wrong. Is that regular in your life or is that something that's occasional? I think it's regular or, you know, it's like, do I just make things bigger than they are? So it seems pretty regular. How does your view of God affect the way that you would say you make things bigger than they are? You ever thought about that? Yeah. Yeah, I guess it would be smaller. So make him smaller. If I make things bigger, then everything else gets smaller. Mm. So if I have a big view of who Christ is, it's going to change the way that I view my circumstances and it's going to change how I interact in my circumstances. One minute, just one minute, I would like to be as kindly as Dr. Greg Gifford. (laughs) That guy, I'm telling you, hey, that might explain why I think the last I saw 23, maybe 2,400 subscribers to his brand new podcast, The Transform Podcast with Dr. Greg Gifford. He's like this all the time, which is so agitating. But D needs a biblical counselor like that. She she's had bad things happen to her. And 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 we, we can't just go, hey, quit feeling sorry for yourself, lady. Well, that's just not being thoughtful or kindly. And yet, even in kindness, a part of kindness is speaking truth lovingly. And it appears that Dee's view of God is affecting the way that she sees everything around her. Everything is just terrible. Woe is me. Why does somebody... I think in, I think in one of these clips, Transform Season 2, she said something like, why do, why do people cut me off? They cut everybody off. But when your view of God is small and when something bad happens to you, your problem becomes big then it could mean that you're focusing more on self than you are on Jesus Christ. Now, that's a message that's pretty, well, you could say harsh, but it shouldn't be delivered harshly. Dee needs a changed view of God. Because remember, self-pity is not the root of the problem. It's just the fruit of the problem. Sin is neither static or satisfied. It it always wants more and more and more. And that's why self-pity must be mortified before it becomes bitterness, which ultimately leads to hatred. And one of the surest ways to stave off bitterness is to actually cultivate a cliche. And that cliche is Christians must strive to develop an attitude of gratitude. Bitterness. 
another root that is producing the fruit of self-pity. By the way, bitterness, I think I heard Steve Lawson preaching on the subject of bitterness. I'm sure he was preaching on a text, but he was talking about bitterness. And because he's a pastor, he's seen this. He's counseled the individual who is bitter, who's unable to forgive, who's unable to see things from a sovereignty perspective. He said, this is one of the toughest to get out of there. Because you you get a root of bitterness and it's like some weeds. You know, you pull them and oh, just oh, the top of it. But I didn't get the whole thing out. That is the root of bitterness. Deeds sometimes our own inner struggle with self-pity. It, it can actually turn into bitterness. Let's go back to Genesis. You'll be familiar with this story in the big picture. Uh, this is a, the story about Cain and Abel in chapter 4. So it came about in the course of time that Cain brought an offering to the Lord of the fruit of the ground. Abel, on his part, also brought the firstlings of his flock and of their fat portions. And the Lord had regard for Abel and for his offering, but for Cain and his offering, he had no regard. So Cain became very angry and his countenance fell. Then the Lord said to Cain, why are you angry? And why has your countenance falling? If you do well, will not your countenance be lifted up? And if you do not do well, sin is crouching at the door and its desire is for you, but you must master it. Cain told Abel his brother, and it came about when they were in the field that Cain rose up against Abel his brother and killed him. It's Do you know what his parents did? They raised Cain! Silly rabbit. Jimmy, I think we got a problem here. Before we continue playing a clip from Transform Season 2, um, that's in the Old Testament, right? Yeah. There can't be anything worthwhile back there. A sad story. You have really some of the first generation of mankind growing in envy to such a degree that they're willing to kill out of jealousy. Well, when Cain sees that Abel's offering was accepted, it incites in him jealousy and envy. I've said that self-pity can cloud some of our judgment by viewing our circumstances first and not who God is. Our judgment's clouded, and Cain is a great example of that. You see, envy is something that starts inwardly. It's internal. It's in our thoughts. It's as we're comparing ourselves to others, as we're meditating not only on our life, but on the lives of others. So the progression of envy to bitterness and bitterness to hatred here, it's quite significant. And the results of it in Cain's life were disastrous. Yeah, I would say the same thing is going to be true in your life. You're envy and some of the comparison of your life and some of the it's not fair or this the self-pity that you've experienced it's on its way to be disastrous in your life it's already taken joy from you but the disastrous path that it may continue to take you on is no meaningful relationships and when that happens it turns to bitterness which turns to hatred which turns to anger that is a biblical diagnosis of why we can become bitter. We want what other people have and we don't have it. What's the accusation? God, you're not doing this right. You're not treating me the way that I 
deserve, and before you know it, a root of bitterness. It gets implanted in your heart and uprooting it can be so difficult. How might you do that? How do you pull up that root? Well, it's, I was going to use it. Jimmy, I was going to go with a gardening reference, but that would be a tragic error because, <laughs> yeah, gardening and I just don't see eye to eye exactly. But whatever it is in the gardening process it takes to take care of a weed that just won't go away, that's what you need to do. You need to persist. You, you need to keep pulling it out. And there are biblical ways to do that. Because if you don't uproot bitterness, oh, you know that you're lacking joy. You're constantly crabby, probably short with people. What am I doing here? Why am I a stay-at-home mom? And look at all of these women being successful. And you could be burying a root of bitterness. How do you pluck it out? Next on Wretched Radio. Cool, very cool. The Tomorrow Clubs now have 106 clubs in Romania. This year marks the celebration of the 25th anniversary of our ministry. But also, it is a very important milestone for Tomorrow Clubs Romania. Now, Tomorrow Clubs Romania has 106 clubs. That means 106 villages are hearing the gospel proclaimed to the kids who get saved. They bring the gospel home. Parents get saved and local churches get strengthened. Would you please consider supporting the Tomorrow Clubs? Not only do they have hundreds of clubs in Romania, Ukraine, Russia, Albania, all over Eastern Europe and now in Africa, would you please consider what might you do to bring the gospel to both Africa and to Eastern Europe? Tomorrowclubs.org slash wretched. I want to share with you voicemails we receive nearly daily here at Wretched. Wretched Radio has just really impacted my life. Just really brought me closer to God. Through your video, God saved me. Wouldn't know what to do if I didn't have NRB and Wretched TV. Just wanted to say that Wretched has changed my life. We are grateful to hear the testimonies of our listeners and our viewers, and we want you to also hear the lives that are being impacted by you, our gospel partners. These testimonies aren't about Todd. They're not about Wretched Radio or TV. We wouldn't be able to do the things that we do at Wretched without the support of our gospel partners. So would you prayerfully consider becoming a gospel partner today if you aren't already? Help us to reach the lost all over the world with the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ because ultimately the glory is all His. It's not Wretched's. It's not even yours. But it is your efforts that help make our efforts possible. And all of those efforts are to the praise and glory of God alone. Get complete details right now at Wretched.org slash donate. For your consideration, not one but two ways that you could strengthen the local global church, the Masters Academy International, training men in Los Angeles who then return to their home countries and open up mini seminaries to train pastors in their native land. That strengthens the local church. But there's another way you can do just that. We are partnering with the Masters Academy International to send Bibles to the Philippines. Not just any Bible, MacArthur Study Bibles to believers in TMAI-trained churches. These efforts strengthen the local church. Would you please consider how many Bibles you might send? 
how many seminaries you might support overseas. To learn more, visit wretched.org pastor, or if you like the Bible sending idea, wretched.org Bible. Mexican. Pneumatology is a study of the Holy Spirit. Scripture reveals that the Holy Spirit is a person, not a force or manifestation, and He is God, the third member of the Trinity. His work is not to provide emotional highs or show up in glory clouds or gold dust. The work of the Holy Spirit is to bear witness to the Savior, Jesus Christ. This is Wretched Radio with Todd Friel. Make a list, check it twice, and you won't be naughty. You'll be nice. Thank you. Thank you very much. This is Wretched Radio. How might you uproot bitterness that is buried in your heart that is producing so much fruit of sadness, crabbiness, just acerbic, jealous of others, and potentially, zoink scoob, angry at God? That ought not to be the demeanor of the believer. We should be joy-filled people, even in our circumstances. We should be those who find joy, even when others around us go, this ain't so good. We can certainly recognize that there are choppy waters, but our boat doesn't need to be rocked. But if you do not uproot bitterness from your heart, You're going to continue to produce all kinds of fruit like D from Transformed Season 2. The situations that make me struggle with being bitter are when I feel mistreated and nobody else seems to get as mistreated as I am. Does that sound like you? This doesn't happen to anybody else. This is indeed, this would be a self-pity party. And Dee has been attending that event for years. I seem to be singled out for mistreatment. I feel like I have always been bullied from kindergarten through my whole life. Even stranger, you know, people breaking in front of you. There it is right there. Jimmy, just curious. You ever had that happen to you on a Georgia freeway? <laughs> I had it happen this morning. <laughs> <laughs> when doesn't it happen? <laughs> Zipping in front of you, cutting you off. Hey, what's the matter? D has turned it inwardly that the reason those people drive like that is because of her. In other words, she sees basically the world revolving around her and her circumstances. And when it doesn't go well, she feels bullied and mistreated. Now, this is where the biblical counselor needs to be tender and thoughtful because she has been bullied. She has had some difficulties in her life. This is no easy task being a biblical counselor. You've got to be truthful, but you've got to be loving and sensitive to just clod in and well. Well, here's your problem, D. You're too pride-filled. Woof. Woof. Instead, we must point D to the word. Have her read the word. Have you noticed Greg Gifford doing that with the counseling? She reads the Bible verse so that she sees it in God's word, so that she sees it as the authority to reorient her emotions. You know, you look around, is other people breaking in front of 
them. It's like, is it just, do I have this sign on my face? You know, sucker, take advantage of me. I feel like I don't see other people in the store or in different situations being bullied like I am. I feel sorry for myself a lot, probably daily. I just wonder, does everybody else have all these things that break down? How, how does this happen? Why does this happen? Talk about honesty. So grateful for people like Dee who are willing to come in to do Transformed with us. If you'd like to participate, we'd love it if you'd go to wretched.org uh, casting. We are actually going to be shooting our last session with Dr. Lou Priolo, Transformed Couples. If you're a couple that is struggling, you are getting married, you're engaged, and you're getting ready to be married, we'd love to talk to you, too. Just visit wretched.org slash casting. I would like to talk a little bit about gratitude and its place in the Christian life. When we talk about gratitude, it's somewhat like praise, where if you came to me and said, Greg, you, you need to be thankful. Sometimes it's like, I know I do, but I'm not. Gratitude is something that we're commanded to do, yes, but it's going to be fueled by really seeing God's blessings and understanding God's blessings. It's like praise. So let's grab our Bibles again. Let's go back to 1 Thessalonians. I'd like to start there. Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, and everything give thanks, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Rejoice, pray, give thanks. And Paul doesn't only say just give thanks for the good stuff. Give thanks for the times when circumstances did favor us. Give thanks in all circumstances. And it's, it's easy to say, hard to do, until we begin to realize the last part of the verse here, verse 18. Uh, this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Knowing God is in control of the circumstance and that God is working it for your good is what helps facilitate gratitude in your life. You kind of don't think about giving thanks, but it would really lift my day if I give thanks for, you know, so many things that happened. I think that would really lift my spirits. Sometimes when we're mistreated by others, it's hard to see that as part of God's plan for our life. Uh, yet we look at Christ and his death, and we know he was mistreated by others. And we know that God was perfectly in control of that. So mistreatment from others on those occasions, when you begin to see that God is in control of mistreatment for others, then what it does is it, it doesn't lend us towards self-pity and here it, here it goes again, it's happening again, like I don't know why I'm being treated like this again. Rather what it does is it's gonna be an opportunity for us to say, well, Lord, I know you're in control. Help me to have a heart that is thankful for today. Help me to respond to this person in a way that would honor you. Give me wisdom for what that would look like. And don't let me become bitter or angry or inside brood over what is happening right now. Helpful tip coming your way. If the sin of self-pity is crouching at your door and slowly becoming a root of bitterness, may I ask you to make a list of blessings that you have likely overlooked? I mean, you have clothes on your back, you have access to food, you can throw a switch and instantly have light. The list could go on and on and on. May I encourage you to write that list right now and see if that doesn't help you to develop an attitude of gratitude. Dr. Gifford is going to instruct Dee to do just that. 
next on Transform. Well, you'll just have to visit wretched.org to see the homework that gets assigned to D, because that is what biblical counseling is all about. Not just a session, not just 12 weeks of visits, but... The other six days of the week, homework is assigned. We have some of those resources for bitterness, for self-pity at wretched.org also. But I would encourage you to do what Dr. Dale Johnson just prescribed. If you do not have joy, perhaps you even have bitterness, make a list, check it twice, and you will discover that God has been nice. Yeah, I'm sorry for that. What are all of the things that he is doing for you? It's funny, I sometimes sit in my chair. I can't believe it. We're Archie and Edith. We actually have chair. It's like, Mrs. Friel sits in that one, I sit in this one. That's how it works. And we both know, don't make the mistake of sitting in the other person's chair. And I, I just sit and I'll look at our house. And I just think of all of the amenities. We, we, we've, got a, we've got this, it's, it's a hood above the stove. That just whisks the smoke out of something that's making a simmering mess on the stove. What? You got like a reverse fan to just lift the smoke out of the house so it doesn't smell so bad? Yeah. Who gave that to you? God did. And that's just a fan. Look at the running water. Isn't it funny how impatient we get? How long is this thing going to take to get running hot water for me? These pipes are just that. We got to get one of those things that makes it instantly hot. What a world we live in. We've got running water. Forget the running physical water. How's about we've got the living water? How's about we've got Jesus Christ? How's about we've got John chapter 7? This is just a a beautiful picture. It's the last festival day. Uh, It's the feast of Unleavened bread, I believe. And there was a ritual where the priests would go down to the pool of Siloam with a golden jug and they would gather water, a libation, and they would bring it back up to the temple. And it was symbolic that God would pour out rain so that the cisterns would be filled so that the rivers would be flowing, so the crops would be fed. And Jesus Christ, in the middle of this, synthesizing the number of calls in Isaiah, and I believe Zechariah, ho, ho, come to me. If you thirst, come to me. Come to the living water, the the satisfying. You don't need to, it's just a constant outpouring of water in the midst of that symbolic picture of people asking God to send water. Jesus in the midst of them is the water that God sent. Drink of him and you won't be like a parched desert. Take him and consume him regularly and you won't be dry You won't grow bitter. Instead, when you focus on Jesus Christ, consume the living water, the root of bitterness, it will go away. And you will replace it with joy. Make a list of all of the blessings that God has provided for you in the physical realm. Absolutely. But don't forget all of the spiritual blessings in the heavenly realm. And until tomorrow... Go serve your king.